Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, hello, and hello to producer Annabelle Lee. Hello, hello. She's back. I'm back, baby. (laughs) Guys, coming up on today's show, Sophia Ritchie's wedding has just cemented her as the it girl of 2023. What is going on behind the great unfollowing of Joe Alwyn? Nadia Bartel sits down with Stella Magazine to talk about the white powder controversy of 2021 for the first time. And the rom-com cheating rumours between Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell that have us in an absolute chokehold. But first... Zara, how was your week? I had a great week. My whole week was Sophia Richie's wedding, even though I wasn't there. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about it. I will not spend the entire intro talking about it as well. Well, you did send me a message saying I am prepared to spend an entire episode on Sophia Richie's wedding. And I said, no. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> it can't be done. In place of that, what I'm going to do is one of my recommendations is actually Sophia Richie Grange <laughs> themed today. It's a profile of her father-in-law, Sir Lucian Grange, who is the chairman and CEO of the Universal Music Group. Right. So you took my no and you said, I will sidestep you <laughs> well, and sneak in some more Sophia Ritchie content anyway. I just found loopholes and I think that's all right. <laughs> because she's married Elliot Grange. She has married Elliot Grange, whose dad is easily the biggest deal in the music industry. Right. I think I didn't understand quite how big of a deal he is. Okay. This profile of him from the Financial Times is from a couple of years ago when he was taking Universal Public. He built that company to be essentially what we know it to be today. He is insane as a businessman, but what I found really fascinating and quite sad is Elliot's mum, when she gave birth to him, fell into a coma oh after and kind of ostensibly never recovered from that coma and he was a single dad for the first you know quite a few years of his life so he was this like crazy businessman this single dad they had quite a lot of tragedy happen to them and it's kind of the first time that he'd ever seemed to have spoken about it you keep bringing horrifying personal stories to this podcast last last week's memoir was also (laughs) a horrifying story but it's one that I really want to know about but they're really the way that Lucian talks about it for someone who you know I think would have to be a bit of a bulldog in business business to get to where he is he seems really emotional in the story as I said it's from a couple of years ago he also nearly died when he got COVID (gasps) sorry (laughs) sorry I don't know this is just the facts of the story he he was really really sick with COVID yeah a couple of years ago it's a beautiful story and I think it helped me understand the context of the family that Sophia Ritchie was marrying into wow they will look after her (laughs) um the second our girl's safe the second recommendation I have is a three-hour 
podcast episode on the podcast Acquired. I have never listened to a podcast episode this long. Three hours. Yeah, you will not watch a movie. Lion <laughs> <laughs> so too long. E.T., too long. But a three-hour podcast, sure. Yeah, look, it is a three-hour podcast episode on LVMH. Shout out to Zara Wong from her newsletter screenshot this. I got the recommendation from there. It's basically a full explainer on how the business came to be. Now... I find the business fascinating. It's, of course, run by Bernard Arnault, who is, I think, one of the richest people in the world. Funnily enough, I did Google this this week. I think he might officially be the richest. It's, He's definitely surpassed all, Elon. They're all floating around in the top and depending on the, what the markets are doing. Well, I was looking at what Elon's done to his net wealth recently, Elon Musk, and he's fallen behind the and founder no, of Louis Vuitton. And we know Jeff Bezos obviously got divorced. So <laughs> that's why the billionaire boys are just <laughs> shuffling around. They're all just like messed up rich. He is really, really high up there. I didn't realise how he built this business to be. As we know, LVMH owns 75 major fashion houses. <laughs> 75. It's a crazy amount of power yeah. that the family has. And I didn't realise that he kind of didn't build any of the businesses from scratch, just built a business by acquiring. Very nice. So he was a rich boy he who, was, who had a, who had a, a mean, good nose for a good business. I think he, it's sort of like <laughs> the classic, um, you know, my dad gave me a small loan of $1 million. <laughs> yeah. I think there's some truth to that sort of, a, you know, origin story here. But still really, really good podcast episodes. It's slightly dense, but if you like business and you like fashion, good overlap. How are you? How was your week? What are you recommending? Stunning. This week, I spent so much of my time watching Jury Duty on Amazon Prime. Annabelle, I feel like this is your kind of show, but you're looking at me with squinty eyes. <laughs> you're, you're close in that I want to watch it. I've seen it around, but I haven't watched it yet. You would like it. It is a reality show on Amazon Prime. I'm sure people have seen snippets on their TikTok feeds. That's how Mitch and I found out about it. It is a fake setup of a jury duty scenario where every person involved is an actor except for one guy. And it is just such a funny, wonderfully done reality show. It's made by two of the writers from The Office, the US version of The Office, and it has that real office style of humor. So if you liked watching that show with our boy Steve Carell back in the day, you will love this reality show. So my understanding is it's kind of like the Truman Show, right? Yep. This guy is the only one that doesn't realise that everybody else <laughs> is in on the joke. And they're filming it. He thinks they're filming a documentary about what it's like to be on jury duty, right? Yeah, and James Marsden, the Hollywood actor, that, just happens to be there. <laughs> I love the scenes. I've seen quite a bit on TikTok about this. I have been meaning to watch it because some of the TikTok snippets have been cracking me up yeah. of James Marsden pretending to try and get out of the jury duty to the judge because he reckons he's too famous. Like some of the scenes... <laughs> Things look genuinely very funny. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. It's so... Do you feel sorry for him at all? No, because Zara, he is the most lovable man I think I've ever seen on reality TV. They did such a good job in casting a hapless person who just happens to be the only one not in on the joke in the best way possible because he comes across beautifully, like superbly in every awkward scenario to the point where I was watching it thinking, is he also an actor because he is the most lovable person I've ever seen on television? Yeah, that's true. Maybe he is. Women are throwing themselves at him. What are the chances? <laughs> myself, not myself included, but I did follow him on Instagram because I was like, I love this guy. With our tinfoil hats on, what are the chances of them finding this guy on Craigslist that is the ultimate hapless guy who's perfect for the role who's not going to be phased when he finds out i love the show so much and i'm so invested in it all being real and that him not being an actor that i will say a hundred percent chance of them just finding him <laughs> yeah perfect i appreciate that i like the recommendation though how many episodes i have watched maybe five i feel like there's maybe six or seven. Oh, that's all right and and your podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right mish what we wanted to do we wanted to kick off the show with a question for our listeners yeah well are you in need of some intrigue? You know, last week I said one of my favourite lines I'd ever read on Twitter ever was, are you in need of some intrigue? I feel we're often all in need of some intrigue. And I thought every so often, why don't we make a segment around intrigue if we've got a good fun fact? Well, last week's one that you brought us was about a true crime writer who was actually also a murderer. Correct. And that was revealed in her obituary. Or people knew about it, but you stumbled upon this fact in her obit in the New York Times. Correct. And then you to us after the show said, 
what about are you in need of some intrigue is something we throw in an episode every now and then when we find a random celebrity fact we just want to talk about. Exactly. And it could be a really old fact that some people might know, <laughs> but you just stumbled on. And you you have to run under the proviso that some people might not know or a lot of people listening might not know. Also, if you know it, very happy for you, but you don't need to come and tell us. I'm happy for you that you know this. <laughs> it does seem to happen a bit, eh? So... The are you in need of some intrigue fact to kick us off, Zara, is what? Well, it's about Woody Harrelson's dad. And we should have raised this last week. We ran out of time. (laughs) But in our episode last week, to quickly recap, we spoke about the fact that Matthew McConaughey has a theory that he and Woody Harrelson could be half brothers. Now, the totally coincidental timing around the whole thing (laughs) is that he was telling this story at the same time as promoting the new Apple TV show, Brother from Another Mother. Yes, completely coincidental. As one listener pointed out to us in your Save Friday last week, Woody's dad and now potentially Matthew McConaughey's dad, we are unsure, has quite the colourful history. For starters, he was married four times, which I always find interesting in a person, but for Enders, he was also a murderer. Yes, <laughs> he, he was. was. He was a, a, a big-time murderer, actually. Well, yes, it turns out that Woody Harrelson's dad and maybe now Matthew McConaughey's dad was a hitman. He was convicted. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It's no, just it's really not. random. It's just quite random. He was convicted then acquitted of murder in 1970. He was then found guilty of murder for another man three years later. And after serving five years in prison, he was released and then murdered somebody else the following year. Quite prolific for oh. the 1970s for Woody Harrelson's dad. That most recent murder he actually murdered a federal judge just awful the first and only federal judge to be killed in that 100 year period it's just like it's insane for killing a federal judge he served two life sentences which meant woody harrelson lived out most of his life without really having a fatherly figure woody said that his dad actually left when he was seven years old he left his mom and ran off with another woman they did become friends later in life though woody actually tried to keep a relationship with his dad by going in and visiting him in prison until he died he died in 2007 I find that pretty intriguing. I do find that intriguing. I promise going forward as well, all our intriguing facts won't always be crime related. Yeah, we're not really murder we're not, related, we're actually. Not, we're not a crime show at all. In fact, we, we crime tend, freaks us out. Yeah, we, we tend to avoid it. But today, that was the intrigue fact. Yeah, I won't sleep for a week now. <laughs> all right, let's jump into the actual, actual first segment of the show because, of course, we are starting with Sophia Ritchie and the wedding of the moment, Mish. Yes, guys. This has to be the celebrity wedding of at least the last few years. I can't really think of a celebrity wedding that has been this adored by this many people. The 24-year-old model and business owner and, of course, daughter of Lionel Richie married 29-year-old Elliot Grange in the south of France over the weekend. Correct. Now... Elliot Grange himself also works in the music industry. He is the founder of 10K Projects. That's an LA-based record label, as I mentioned at the top. (laughs) He's also the son of Sir Lucian Grange, who is the chairman and CEO of Universal. Now, it's giving slight (laughs) nepo Oh, I would say... Major. I would say complete 100%. (laughs) What are the chances that he'd own a record label at 29? (laughs) What's quite sweet about these two is Sophia and Elliot is they've known each other since they were kids because, of course, Lionel Richie and Sir Lucian Grange Mm. have worked together for a very long time. I've known each other for a very long time. So, uh, you know, they've known each other since they were little teeny kids. (laughs) Little teeny nepo babies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The wedding was held at Hotel du Cap Eden Rock in Antibes with the couple reportedly booking out the whole hotel for the celebrations (laughs) now rooms start at about two thousand dollars aud a night wow start so if you're booking out the whole hotel don't make it me do the math (laughs) also if you look at the florals that they had i did don't make it me do the math i reckon this would have been a 10 million dollar wedding yeah i mean sure (laughs) you did the math why not why not now the wedding was of course attended by sophia's parents plus her sister nicole ritchie her husband good charlotte lead singer john madden Benji Madden was also there. So yes. was his wife, Cameron Diaz. Paris Hilton and her husband were there too. The bride wore three custom Chanel looks, right? One for the rehearsal dinner, one for the ceremony and one for the after party. 
I mean, I adored them all. They I were adored beautiful. Them all. Yeah. I think my absolute favourite has to be the little mini after-party dress. Absolutely. It was a, not a replica because it's still Chanel. Chanel remade a dress from the runway. I think it was 97 Claudia Schiffer walked yeah. down in this dress and they recreated it for Sophia Richie's wedding day. One of my favourite wedding after-party dresses I have ever seen. It's amazing with like the very iconic sort of Chanel flower, flower mm. rose type thing on her chest. It was amazing. Now, we knew about these looks the minute that she basically walked down the aisle, right? Because Vogue had exclusive access. They had filmed Sophia taking, you know, Vogue through the Chanel, I'm going to say offices. The but Chanel... Atelier. 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 Yeah. Space, I guess. I still need my own words thrown in there though. Very fashion-y of us. Um, Yeah, quite. And they had all the photos of all the looks so that the minute that she walked down the aisle, Pat photos wouldn't have the scoop. Mm. Vogue would have the scoop and we'd have the up-close and personal footage to see straight away. The thing about this wedding is you said at the top of this, I can't remember a wedding being this big or this adored in the last couple of years. I just simply can't remember someone using their wedding to their own advantage like Sophia has in the best way possible. I can't remember a wedding taking social media by storm in such a beloved way. Yeah, there is something about this wedding and the way it was executed and the guest list and the way it was seeded out on social media and through media headlines that made this the cleverest PR move that I have seen for any any celebrity. I don't think I've seen any celebrity do a 180, maybe 180 is dramatic, maybe a 90 degree rebrand this quickly in the space of five days. I mean, I think they must have gone into this weekend knowing that if, and I say they, Sophia and her team, that if they played this the right way, she could easily become the next it girl, which is exactly what she's done. Because I think weddings are big business and they can be huge for brand if a celebrity wants them to be. Mm. I think for me, I knew so little of Sophia Richie going into this. And now she's in my past basket. That is how huge this has been for me. I actually think that when she got engaged, I tried to argue that we should cover it. And, and I you didn't, didn't care. want to. I did not care about it. I've cared about her since Kardashian for days. For sure. Because, of course, a lot of people would know her because when she was very young, she was only just freshly 18. She was dating the much older, I think 16 years, her senior, Scott Disick. And so she was kind of in the Kardashian verse around that time, but she's also really close with Kendall and Kylie Jenner. So that was my exposure. To her. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't unfazed by her. She just wasn't really on my radar. Mm. And I think for me, looking at her social media activity in the last sort of week or so, I'm like trying to unpack what it was she was able to do over the last week. Cause I don't think I'm the only one mm. who sort of fell in love with her because she came across so deeply likable. She launched her TikTok account for the festivities, right? And we're posting in real time, get ready with me videos, which seems so normal and behind the scenes. She was also posting so much footage to her social media. She was reposting every Instagram story under the sun about it all that I felt like I was there. Mm. So then when I saw pat photos or page six articles come out about it, I'm like, yeah, duh. <laughs> I've, like I've had access to this already. Like I like felt- we're friends. I felt inside of it rather than mm. outside of it. And I can't remember a celebrity space that I felt so inside of in such a long time. And I think yes. maybe that's what she brought to it. I was trying to get to the bottom of this yeah. as well because I'm obsessed with it all. I was obsessed with the wedding. Yes, it was like luxury upon luxury, which I know some people can roll their eyes at. But I think the reason so many people adored it from Sophia Ritchie is she managed to straddle the line between relatable and aspirational at once. Absolutely. I'm not sure if you guys have seen a viral TikTok floating around at the moment, but it's of Sophia at her after party. She's dancing around with good Charlotte on on the stage. And a caption written over it that I read on Madison Sullivan Thorpe's TikTok account is everyone's obsessing over Sophia Richie's looks. I'm obsessed with her being barefoot, acting like a total club rat, dancing along to good Charlotte in custom Chanel. This woman is my religion. She's giving us that like, I love to party. I love to dance. I love to let myself loose. I'm not uptight, but also I'm wearing these beautiful looks. I am looking stunning. I still look great. I'm pulling it all off really effortlessly. She also looked really joyous and 
somewhat kid-like in the best way possible mm. when she was dancing around like that like really very much without inhibition mm. like knowing that there were a million cameras being thrown in her face and still not seeing particularly phased by that like jumping mm. around like a club rat as we were saying I think also we have to mention the Chanel sponsorship in the context of all of this as a Kardashian sort of glow up it's huge. Chanel absolutely represents old money. I think mm. if people think of Chanel, it's timelessness, it's sort of class. Her style has evolved a lot over the last few years and I think style in and of itself is huge for a rebrand. And I think people are starting to actually take note of her style. Mm. Her partnership with Chanel is a huge part of that. I have been wondering if Chanel asked her to get married in France somewhere and also oh. asked her to have her hands in Paris given it's such a big French fashion house, I think they probably did. Yeah, that's why I don't think it would have taken much convincing for her to be like, hmm, the south of France, I can do it. No, but I think that would have been part of some contract for sure. And then, of course, there was the Vogue feature, which just will always make anyone look glossy. I mm. definitely think this is going to mark the next phase of her career. We will be seeing so much more of her. Her company, Nude Sticks, I've never seen them more on my TikTok feed. Oh, my God, it's suddenly everywhere. She's got these, like, these contour blush lip products that just I don't know one stick can be three different things I was looking at my soul it's amazing and I think we'll be seeing a lot more of them one thing that I have observed though over the last week is how how much the internet can't seem to fawn over their new up-and-coming it girl without trashing the ones who have come before her mm. so I've seen so much commentary around you know, how amazing is Sophia Ritchie, but this is everything Hayley Bieber tries to be or everything Nicola Peltz-Beckham tries to be. And it's like, wow, we really have an inability to build someone up without pulling mm. other people down as well. It's like, we can just say straight up that this has been an amazing PR campaign. Mm. It's been and clearly a very happy wedding and like good for them without pushing this narrative that there's genuinely only space for one. And your weddings weren't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even the wedding thing. It's just like, you're not cool enough. Yeah. It's really, it's really bizarre to me. Alas, she's deeply in my past basket. I, and I, now that I say that, someone's going to come to me and say, ah, but she did this once. I don't care. <laughs> don't tell me what she might be problematic for. I can't Three know. Like, Three nude sticks to add to basket, please. Yes. <laughs> Coming up after the break, what is going on behind the great unfollowing of Joe Alwyn? But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty Zara. Sophia Richie Stan McDonald, what have you got for us? I mean, it's a good middle name, but you didn't even give us the full spiel. Oh, where we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Zara loves Sophia Richie McDonald. What have you got for us? I am a creature of habit and I needed it. Something did feel wrong. It did, it did feel right. Our first story Taylor Swift's brother Austin and Ryan Reynolds seemingly unfollowed Joe Alwyn on Instagram after breakup. Up. That's from People Magazine. Something is up, you guys. Something is absolutely up. It's up and it's off. I don't, there's a weird vibe going on because last week rumors circulated that a couple of people close to Taylor Swift were unfollowing Joe Alwyn. The first one we heard about was her brother Austin. And then very soon after Austin, we had headlines that maybe her close friend Ryan Reynolds had also unfollowed Joe on Instagram. Yeah. Now, before you guys jump in here and say, but of course, it's standard practice to unfollow your friend's <laughs> ex when they break up. Well, we didn't think a lot of this either until we started looking for the details, Mish. Mm. For starters, Ryan Reynolds and Joe Alwyn were mates, like close mates. There was a profile piece on Joe last year. He made like a time top 100 kind of list. It was 100 up and comers. And Ryan was the friend that he chose to kind of put up to give a quote for the story. And Ryan Reynolds gushed about Joe to Time Magazine. His quote read, I've known Joe Alwyn for six years and that's long enough to see someone's heart, long enough to know whether or not they're made of good stuff. And Joe Alwyn is made of good stuff. He lives at the intersection of enigmatic mystery and fun drinking buddy, a quality that has no doubt contributed to his standout performance in this year's Conversations with Friends. But before I finish this tribute, 
It's imperative I mention his kindness, his generosity, and humanity. I mean, what a quote. That's what? as good as it gets. Absolutely. That's a glowing obit. And everyone gets yeah. glowing obits, you know? <laughs> That's not just where besties. It's I really humanity. love him. <laughs> Kindness, generous, and humanity. Anyway, fast forward to this week. And after being papped at dinner with Taylor and his wife, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds unfollowed Joe on Instagram. Now, I also think it's so important to note, and we did touch on this a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> Taylor Swift is only ever seen when she wants to be seen. Yeah, well, she's barely been papped in the six years that she was in the relationship. There's been times that she's been in, like, suitcases or trunks yep. in order to be hidden. She is only ever seen if she's planning to be seen, right? Yes. And suddenly, now that she's single, she has been papped all around town. And after she is papped, hanging out with these specific groups of people, the same thing seems to happen, which is that group of friends that she had just caught up with leaves dinner and unfollows her ex-boyfriend. As if they've learnt something bad. It's like dinner. We just had a really big conversation. Now they're going home and unfollowing Joe. Yeah. On Thursday in New York City, Taylor went out with Gigi Hadid and the Heim sisters. And Blake Lively was there as well. The photo was reminiscent of the Girl Squad days where she's walking Mm. down the street with her posse of girls. Mm. Taylor's right in the middle at the front. Crystal clear, all smiling, walking down the street. It's like so clearly set up. I mean, who, by the way, walks into dinner with their friends? I meet them in the restaurant (laughs) rather than like walk as a pack down the street. We all get out of this like Mercedes van and we all walk in unison. (laughs) So clearly set up in the best way possible. And as we said, the minute that dinner was over, they all individually unfollowed. And not just individually. Haim went through their like band account and unfollowed Joe as well. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, it's like me going through Shameless Media and be like, Shameless Book Club unfollowed, Shameless. (laughs) He has unfollowed us everyone else's secret. (laughs) How many accounts can you get? But it's true because I think for Haim, all of these women know that they're being watched after the dinner. Yeah. I'm sure there's a plan for them all to do it. Well, because by this point, that Ryan Reynolds austin headline that we read out from people was already in the world so Gigi and all of the heim sisters know that they're having like hawk eyes on their every move and they still unfollow him anyway it goes without saying yes this is all a little juvenile i'm well aware that we're talking about grown adults unfollowing but each other they on social want media us to talk about it well taylor swift wants us to talk about it yeah she is the most meticulous celebrity when it comes to pr there's no way that her friends are unfollowing joe knowing that it's going to create headlines without her express permission or a conversation. She's so famous and they know that this will make media. She has such like a tight grip on this. She would be saying to them, yes, do it. Yes, do it. I want people to talk about it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And that's what's so fascinating to me because I'm like, okay, well, what's happened here? And what do you want me to know? I think that's what I constantly sit with in these scenarios. To be like, What are you trying to tell me? Mm. What are you trying to tell me? Because I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that people are assuming she's trying to tell them that he cheated on her. And this is where, remember when they gave that statement and they said there's no drama or like everything's completely above board, totally amicable, nothing to see here. It reminded me of Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis. And now I feel like we've got the, we're on the precipice of another clusterfuck of a breakup. Well, it's kind of like, why would you tell us there's no drama if you never had any intention of pretending there's none? Like, yeah. it's only been a week or two. You clearly want us to know. And I do have to say, no matter what happened between them, I do feel sorry for Joe Owen mm-hmm. because I think to be on the outside of the machine that is Taylor Swift would be a very confronting place to be no matter how the relationship ended it would be a really discombobulating experience one minute you're inside the machine and protected at all costs because you are the closest person in her life Mm. and the minute you break up you are discarded and would probably exist very firmly outside this juggernaut yeah this complete juggernaut it would be kind of terrifying of course he'd have his own team and all of those kinds of things but nobody can compete with Taylor Swift no so it would be quite a strange place for him to be I mean the other person that's been dragged into all of this mish is 24 year old Scottish actress Emma Laird she's shooting a film in Hungary with Joe at the moment and recently shared a photo dump of photos Joe was one of them it was like a film photo of him on a scooter Mm. and she had to turn off comments because people started coming for her. Yeah, it was captioned moments in March, love heart. And of course, as you said, Zara, it was a dump. There were other photos in it, but 
I think the timing of this and him being alone in that photo and the caption made diehard Swifties irate. It also made a lot of people suspect that Emma Laird is this person that Joe supposedly, I mean, we have no idea what's going on. Let's be very clear about that. But Swifties are convinced that Joe Alwyn has cheated on Taylor with Emma Laird just because of this photo and because of, from what I could tell, a pretty dodgy screenshot as far as I'm concerned that apparently showed that Emma Laird liked a post on Just Jared's Instagram account about Taylor and Joe breaking up. But the funny thing is they didn't even have the username to like, a, there was no screenshot of Emma Laird's username. It was a screenshot of a photo of Emma Laird in like a profile. You know when it collapses the profiles that uh, have liked a photo? Yeah. Just a circle around. Well, it could have been a fan account. It could have been, it could have been anyone with like, it, just ridiculous, but people are taking this and running with it and now accusing Emma of being the other woman. I agree with you. I'm a massive Taylor Swift fan. I think we all know that. Like, I don't need to say I that after five years we do. the podcast. <laughs> but I do feel sorry for Joe and I do feel sorry for Emma because I cannot imagine going up against Taylor. And I think she has so much power and her fans wield so much power in a similar way to Selena Gomez's fans that I actually find it all a bit off-putting. Like I find the intensity of the standom online to be really overblown. And I actually think almost no matter what, I mean, if he's cheated on her, then we're going to find out through her music anyway. And that will be interesting. It'll be her Lemonade album. It'll be her I Lemonade album. I feel like album. her next album will be one like that. I think we're going to, there's going to be something. I just hope that it's handled in a way where everyone involved is okay. Because just the intensity with some fans is just terrifying to me. Yeah, it's a lot. Our second story, I could let it ruin my life or I could focus on what's real. Nadia Bartel breaks her silence. That is from the Daily Telegraph. Now, Nadia Bartel has spoken for the first time about that white powder video of 2021 that did the rounds and forced her to issue a public apology and go to ground for a few months, Mish. Yeah, for those who might need a refresher, in September 2021, in the middle of Melbourne's very intense lockdown, the 37-year-old owner of Henny was partying with some friends. Now, just days earlier, her divorce from her AFL-playing ex-husband, Jimmy Bartel, had been finalised. That evening when she was illegally in a house with her friends, one of them accidentally uploaded a four-second video to Instagram of Nadia snorting what appeared to be white powder. Yeah, and I think it would be fair to say that social media and the media blew up over this video. It was at a time, a very particular time when Melburnians were very tired and very angry. And I think it would be fair to say that she became almost a singular scapegoat for everything that was happening in yeah. the state at the time. We had nothing else to focus our energy on. I remember when I found this video, I saw it for the first time. I was sitting in bed and I was like, I've got nowhere else to go. I'm basically just well, confined to my home. This is the only thing I'm going to put my energy into. Well, it was the only thing that people were talking about. And I think there was so much. I think if you weren't in Melbourne at that time after two years of lockdown, it's incredibly hard to capture how much emotion was around mm. and how personally attacked people felt over so many things because everything felt deeply personal. Yeah. Our lives looked so, I mean, I can't even think about what they looked like because it's so strange to think about now. Well, I remember we even spoke about an influencer who went on a run for 15 or 20 minutes over her allotted outdoor time one day and people came for her as if she was single-handedly responsible for I don't know everything the state was going through yeah and it's like I understood in some ways why people were upset generally at these things but I think most people would look back now and think wow that was a moment in time and that is not the kind of thing that would get me so fired up now surely now in this interview with Stella magazine at the weekend Nadia did speak about this for the first time as we said and she said I've never spoken publicly about it and all the articles that were written were driven by the media a lot of it were their own rumors but I understand the interest in it I understand why they need to keep writing about it I made a big mistake and I accept that I just feel there's a real ongoing pursuit of it still and that's what feels very hurtful I think that's bang on I mean a lot of people will, might look at this and say what are we still talking about this but it's like Nadia's actually never spoken about this mm. everybody else has spoken about this on her behalf and constantly oh particularly if you look on the comments of like the Herald, Herald Sun. Sun and even the Daily Telegraph people are 
vicious still. Like they can't write a headline about Nadia without people bringing it in or acting like it's still relevant, which is kind of absurd given how many men, male athletes in particular, have also been caught up in their own white powder scandals and yet don't have that attached to their names for years after. It doesn't stick to them in the same way. And there's a stickiness about this that people aren't letting her get past she also said when it first happened i wanted to tell my story and speak my truth about everything that actually happened i think that as time has passed i've come to a point where i realize whatever i say people will have their own opinions and that's fine i read this quote mission it's a really simple one but i felt a lot of respect for that sentiment because Mm. i think as a public figure there is often a desperation to say, but let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my side of the story. And once you hear that, you'll understand. I think it's kind of the Prince Harry thing of being like, I need you to understand. And as hard as it would be, it would be so difficult to sit back and say, I'm not going to bother because it will feed the beast. I'm biting my tongue. I'm going to bite my tongue. I think it's the smartest thing you can do in a PR sense. But I don't think any of us should underestimate how difficult it would be to not try and come out and say the things she might want to say. I agree. I think it's really clever. I agree with you. It would be so friggin' hard. But I think it's really clever just to focus on like what's next now. She also said that the vitriol leveled at her on social media was incredibly difficult to stomach she said i just want my actions to speak louder than my words the social media reaction was very negative towards me it hurt a lot what hurt more was the feeling that i'd let people down disappointed people who i love and whose opinion means the world to me and also that i let down people who look up to me i've got a responsibility to them so rebuilding that trust and rebuilding the trust in my inner circle was my priority i mean one thing i've just remembered about this whole story when it happened The state premier even spoke about it in a press conference. Like as far as influencer or public figure scandals, this reached politics at the time as well. So it was just so much bigger than anything we really see today. Yeah, 100%. She also said that this has changed her a lot. She said, there are certain things that can only come from failing in such a really big public way. I have become a lot more nervous and anxious and introverted. I think it made me a lot more aware of what matters in life. At the time, I had two choices. I could let it totally ruin my life, hide away and never show my face again, or I could focus my attention on what's actually real and important to me. I can't help but read these quotes and read this piece and not really feel for Nadia Bartel. Mm. I mean, it's so obvious she made a mistake. We said that at the time. She says that now. Mm. But to be reeling for this long feels like a very heavy burden for somebody to carry. And I desperately hope people do let her move on from here because I got to say, as we said at the top, if she was a man, this would not have stuck to her in the way that it has. Isn't it a weird exercise as well, trying to put yourself back there? Like it's Mm. it's so odd to try and even think about where we were at as a society psychologically back in September 2021. I really do hope that people read this now in April 2023 and have a bit more perspective and maybe a bit more of a bird's eye view on the whole thing. Yeah, our third story, Tiny Soccer Club Wrexham promoted in Hollywood (laughs) ending for owner Ryan Reynolds. That is from Perth now. Yes, the crux of this story is about a small soccer team in Wales. Annabelle, you'll be all over this. I have not heard I know (laughs) Our sporting fan, Annabelle Lee. But bear with us. It is a beautiful, great story. This is why. These are the stories that make me love sport. Some sport I can't get around. (gasps) These are the stories that make me love sport. Maybe this will make me love sport then. All right. (laughs) You're the barometer. You're the barometer to test whether or not the average person will get around this story. Let's really sell it, Zara. And if you don't, well, we're not cutting it out. We're still going to have to run the story. (laughs) Now, in case you didn't know, Ryan Reynolds, who is suddenly part of his second story in today's episode. (laughs) Okay, Ryan, slay. (laughs) Big slay from Ryan. And the actor... Rob McElhenney bought a tiny 158-year-old Welsh football team called Wrexham in 2021 for about $3.7 million. And I know you're not huge on sport, Annabelle, but that is a tiny, tiny price for a football team. Yes. You know, short change. It's short change. For context, Wrexham is a working class town of about 60,000 people in the northeastern corner of Wales. According to Vulture, the town was hit hard by the near collapse of coal mining and steel productions in the 1980s. Stay with me, everyone. And they didn't ever really fully recover. The piece went... As far as the fortunes of the town, so went those of their beloved professional football team, Wrexham AFC. Yeah. Now, Vulture reported that a Wrexham supporter once said in a documentary that Wrexham is, and this quote I felt very moved by, is a place where people deserve a little bit more than what they've got out of life. 
Oh. Yeah. And over the last few decades, Wrexham AFC, the football team, has been relegated three times. So they keep playing really shit and they keep dropping leagues because they keep playing so shit. For the last 15 or so years, they've been stuck playing in a league called the National League, which is the lowest tier in professional football. It is very hard to get out of the National League once you're there because how do you attract good players And how do you attract any money Mm. when you're not playing well and you're stuck there and you need good players and talent to get out of the league? But it's sort of like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you're there and you stay there, it's harder and harder to dig yourself out. Well, so much of soccer, it's kind of similar to the F1. So much of building an incredible soccer team relies on having incredible funding. And when you have no funding, you've got no good players, you're in the bottom league possible. It's so incredibly rare for a team to build itself back up. Exactly. You need good owners and you need a bit more money. Enter Ryan (laughs) and Rob. Our boy Ryan. (laughs) When they bought the team in 2021, they also made a documentary about them called Welcome to Wrexham. And this first season documented the purchase of their club and they also kind of documented the first season together. You might be wondering, all right, well, why is Wrexham back in the news? Well, they got promoted out of England's shittiest league. (laughs) They're not in the National League anymore. For context, in 2020, the year before the club was purchased, they finished 19th in the UK's shittiest league. Yeah, but now they're moving on up, baby, because Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, along with friend Paul Rudd, who we also adore, were amongst the crowd of more than 10,000 people at the race course to see them win the title of the league and then subsequently get promoted. It was incredibly emotional on the sidelines. I think it's an incredible story. I don't even know how Ryan Reynolds, American-Canadian superstar actor, came across tiny little northeastern Welsh soccer team. But they've made a real impact and the footage of them winning the game is amazing. They look just like shocked. Ryan Reynolds is just like puts his head in his hands and then like, grabs Rob McElhenney and just like <laughs> cuddles him. Wrexham's veteran goalkeeper, a guy named Ben Foster, who probably never thought he'd be quoted in a pop culture podcast called Shameless <laughs> over in Australia, said after the game, they are brilliant. They absolutely love it. They're fully in. Like one of the boys, they get behind the lads. They understand you're not always going to win. They don't expect instant results. He went on and said, this is the hardest league to get out of in the world. <laughs> Facial expressions are like, feel something. (laughs) (laughs) Do you? I do. I do. It is giving a bit of Ted Lasso, like Americans coming in and saving the day. Ted Lasso. Big American exceptionalism here. How have I not thought about that parallel? It is Ted Lasso. I fucking love it. I think Ryan Reynolds, stand up guy. I just like him. Yeah, 100%. And again, I don't want to hear anything bad about it. <laughs> I just want to, I want the sort of smoke and mirrors, baby. Yeah. Our fourth story, Glenn Powell's girlfriend, Gigi Paris, unfollows actors, co-star Sydney Sweeney. That is from page six. We got here our favourite story of the week. Well, oh, actually, sorry, sorry, Sophia. <laughs> we do love Sophia. I also love the Taylor Swift, Joe Alwyn. Headline. This is also a very interesting story, Mish. Rom-com fans will know that Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell are filming a rom-com in Sydney this year. Pat photos coming out of the set are hot. Yes. But... Who is Glenn Powell? <laughs> Where did he come from? I think people in like the Marvel universe kind of Venn diagram of celebrity know He's him. He's not in Marvel. Oh. <laughs> he was in, in that, that kind of thing. He was in that rom-com with Zoe Deutsch on Netflix. Oh, I've that's... forgotten what it's called. Sorry, he's in The Dark Knight Rises. That's, so that's not that's Marvel, DC. that's DC. But that kind of... Om- you that's, know what I'm saying. I get what you mean though. <laughs> yeah, I just... I didn't know he was a thing. He's, I guess, pretty attractive and... <laughs> pretty he's what? extremely attractive well, yeah. i can't I'm, look away he's like, the, he's like a solar eclipse i'm engaged to be married i'm going to say i am married well doesn't mean you can't appreciate that. <laughs> what is it just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score that doesn't that doesn't Hang even on. make any you guys sense. say that way too often <laughs> <laughs> we well, just use like, this podcast as an opportunity to cheat on our partners well, it doesn't even make sense because it's like that saying is like that gross thing yeah. that men say about women that have partners not women who have partners about hot actors they'll never meet anyway back to the center of the story i love story. my husband just so <laughs> yeah i know you do now rumors are abundant on twitter and tiktok that something is up between glenn powell and his girlfriend Gigi paris because of the filming of this film now 
everyone's reporting that Gigi Paris has unfollowed Sydney Sweeney on Instagram. But if I'm honest, I only think that's one small portion of the pie as to why we think something's up. Well, Zara's done her research on this and you should have seen her. She was sitting at her computer, finding little thing after little thing, turning around going, I got it. No, I'll save it for the podcast. I'll save it for the podcast. (laughs) There are things. Okay. Lay out your, because you're convinced that something's up here and that maybe Sydney and Glenn are a little steamy. Let me lay it out and I'll give you my theory at the end. Okay. Okay. So Gigi, yes, has unfollowed Sydney Sweeney. Gigi Paris travelled to Australia a month ago to visit Glenn Powell on set. When she got back is when things got interesting. Reportedly, that's when she unfollowed Sydney Sweeney. When she got back from Australia as well, I, it, for my mind at times, very neatly from like the moment she landed, mm. she posted a photo saying never better with the wave emoji. Looking very hot. It was almost giving revenge hot vibes. Yes, absolutely. Now she's also been posting interesting quotes to her Instagram stories that Demois <laughs> has picked up. Like, gut feelings are guardian angels. <laughs> That is always insinuating that your feeling about what was going on between your partner and someone else was bang on. On Monday, a video started circulating online of Glenn and Sydney being intimate. I don't know if you guys saw this video. It's (laughs) off. It's... Well, it's an int- makes it sound like they're having sex Sorry. on camera, <laughs> being cosy. Sorry, being too cosy for mine. <laughs> um, basically, it was like them just hanging out with a whole bunch of cast and crew. And it's kind of hard to explain, but she's kind of sitting on his lap and then they do this dance move where she flips herself back and he catches her. Catches her. It's a really terrible explanation of the video. They're, they're on the couch together in close proximity and then they do this move together where... It's 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 giving the dirty dancing lift, but twenty twenty three version. Yeah, if take it this way, if my partner did that with another woman, I daggers. I would, <laughs> oh my god, easily. Are you kidding? I would have it's, a. It's, I would. Have it a was sexy. Tea. It was sexy. <laughs> and then after that video was circulating, and that was everywhere, she posted on her Instagram story that she was listening to Respect by Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Now, we should note, Sydney is engaged. And according to TMZ's report this morning, she is still engaged. But something is definitely up here. In my mind, I wonder if it's that classic scenario of the girlfriend very rightly saying to her partner in a monogamous relationship, I feel that you are blurring the lines with the person that you're working with and I would appreciate a bit more respect. Mm. And he goes, what are you talking about? There's nothing nothing to see. Glenn would sound way hotter than that. (laughs) And she goes, no. And he goes, you're crazy. You're being so unreasonable. So she goes, nope, I'm out of here. I'm angry about it. And she's probably right. There is a lot of chemistry between Glenn and Sydney. I still wouldn't be surprised if nothing was happening. But she's still uncomfortable with how close they are. Do we have an oracle prediction as to how this story will end up? Well, I think Sydney Sweeney will still get married oh, to her I don't. fiancé. No, I That's think- because I always gamble on the <laughs> yeah. most dramatic thing happening. The awkward thing is, is it's not just all of this stuff as well. And I don't know if this is relevant or not, but I have to put all the facts on the table. We'll let you know. Is the pat photos of them on set and they're in like Sydney's in a bikini – Glenn appears to... <laughs> I can't believe you're bringing this up. Well, I think it's important to put all the facts out. Glenn appears to um, Do you want help? be physically responding <laughs> to being in her presence. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, Zara showed me a photo. If I, I'm not making day. it up. That's not just like air balloon. <laughs> he's either very... <laughs> excited. He's either excited or he's just gifted naturally and that's just his natural state which if it is congratulations Glenn I don't think I'd want to be saying that if I was Gigi Paris that's all I'm going to say was that a snort from Annabelle no that was you it sounded like it was me god I can never tell which angle they're coming from all right anyway let us know what you think guys our fifth and final story Twitter users with a million followers are getting paid blue checks, like it or not. That is from Rolling Stone. Guys, we mentioned him earlier, but billionaire boy Elon Musk has had quite the nightmarish weekend. His scheme to boost Twitter's annual revenue went basically as bad as you can imagine. It backfired as spectacularly as possible. Essentially, this scheme was to save Twitter from bankruptcy. Like, they are so 
bad when it comes to income and profit margins at the moment that Elon genuinely launched this and announced it last year and said, this is going to save the company, hopefully. This is one of the one of the measures I'm going to use. And he said, I'm going to strip every one of their blue verification ticks. All celebrities, all public figures lose verification. And if you want verification, it now exists behind a paywall. I think it's $7.50 US yeah. a month. You can get a blue tick. So I'm democratizing Influence was his wording. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity, if you're an average person. Ticks are now available to anyone who wants to pay. Yeah, 100%. Now, this is interesting because I think, firstly, the point of a tick was not like... I mean, yes, it ended up being a status symbol, but the function of them was for celebrities and public figures so that they weren't, you know... Impersonated. Impersonated, that it became clear that if you were hearing straight from the celebrity with a blue tick, you were hearing straight from them which was important online yeah. because anyone can impersonate anyone. But also the scarcity and elusiveness of ticks was what made a lot of people want them. Well, you right? had to be deigned important by some mysterious Twitter employee or some algorithm. Like the whole point that nobody could just get it, that it was something you had to be given. It's kind of like that dating app Raya or Raya, where mm. you have to be invited to be on it and it's all very exclusive. The exclusivity was what made this cool. When you take away the exclusivity, the cool thing isn't cool anymore. If you went around and sold Louis Vuitton handbags for five bucks, yeah, no exactly. one's going to want it anymore. Yes. So suddenly they became very uncool, Mish. Elon took the ticks away and waited for the money to roll in. <laughs> it's just that the, the money did not roll in. According to one screenshot of a message apparently sent from a Twitter employee, we need to asterisk this because we don't know. We don't know. About 400 ticks were bought in the first 24 hours. <laughs> That's so bad. I feel like it has to be more than that because there has to be people who are doing it for a joke as well. <laughs> there has to be at least 500 people across the world who thinks it's funny to pay for a tick. <laughs> now, suddenly it was so uncool to have a tick. All the celebrities were like, bitch, I'm not paying for this. Like, I don't want it. <laughs> I, I'm embarrassed to have to do this. That Elon freaked out and backtracked and they started reinstalling celebrities' ticks. Anyone with more than a million followers got their tick back. Yeah, well, that was the whole idea. That Apparently it was taking a while to roll out, but all of a sudden public figures were logging back into Twitter and saying, hang on, how do I have a tick again? And they were unhappy about now having a blue tick because having a blue tick was uncool. Well, they were like screenshotting their Twitter blue to say, just so you know, I never signed up for this. This has been done on my behalf, which is so embarrassing for Twitter. I saw a great tweet from a Twitter user called Belinda Barnett who said, what other kind of product is so embarrassing that people feel compelled to explain it? No, no, I really didn't buy this thing. Honestly, I didn't. Twitter blue will be a marketing case study for years to come. <laughs> I loved the one from Lil Nas X who was like, on my soul, I did not pay for Twitter Blue. You will feel my wrath, Tesla man. <laughs> it's true though. It's like become such an embarrassing thing for people to be associated with. There's nothing worse for Twitter. How is he? I know, Look, Elon Musk, although I don't like many things about what he does, he's so clever. Like you don't build Tesla. You don't become one of the wealthiest people in the world without having some business now, right? Like he's clearly very on the pulse with what people want and what makes people People spend money. I'm just shocked that he took over Twitter and made such a colossal error here from a branding sense. Well, I, I think the point that a lot of people are making is he's actually not that good at business. He's really good at building things and inventing things and being at the forefront of technology. But that's not the same thing as building a good business. Mm. You have good people around you at Tesla to build out the business plan, then it can be done. But if he's just going in and expecting to be using his business skills at Twitter, Turns out he's actually not very good at it at all. Well, that's so weird that if you can build Tesla to be so cool and trust people at Tesla to come in and not have the same model or the same approach But I Twitter. do think it's very different stuff. And I think it proves that just because these kinds of people are hailed as these geniuses doesn't mean they're geniuses in everything. Mm. Anyway. This is so embarrassing. Yeah. Imagine, imagine <laughs> making blue ticks like the Uncool. one marker of being a loser. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Guys, that is all we've got time for today. As always... Come chat to us on Your Safe Friday tomorrow. Absolutely. We'll have all the polls up for you on our Instagram. We are at Shameless Podcast. We're also on TikTok, of course, at Shameless underscore podcast. But the number one way to support Shameless is to actually click follow. Wherever you're listening to us now, whether it's a follow button or a subscribe button, click that. That is the number one way to boost us up the charts so we can find new listeners every week. We also have book club this we week, do. Annabelle. Uh, I was going to say it. I <laughs> promise I was. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. 
sorry, rewind. Annabelle <laughs> Lee. Anything to add? So glad you asked. We have book club <laughs> on Saturday. Beautiful stuff. Can't wait. Thanks so much, guys. Back in your ears on Saturday. Bye. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land